Good morning, everybody. Mosaic, it's good. It's good to be together. Thanks for sharing those stories with each other. Oh, yeah. You thought you were on the right uh, path, heading in the right direction, and oh, boy, I'm slightly off. That's why we're talking about rhythms. You know, rhythms kind of help keep us on that right path. But it's interesting talking about rhythms to a bunch of white Nebraskans, because I would imagine there's probably not a whole lot of rhythm in this room. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong in the future. I've got no rhythm. So I'm just... Anyways, uh, I've loved... I've loved singing with all of you the last couple of weeks. Um, Landon, thanks for leading us this morning. Keith, thanks for leading us last week. Uh, So, pastoral confession. um, Yeah, group singing is always a weird thing to me. Um, I mean, unless you're with your low friends in low places with Garth this weekend, like, which I hear is happening here in Lincoln. Um, you know, like singing out loud with other people, it's just kind of a foreign thing. We don't really do that in our world, you know? Um, and maybe you come here on a Sunday morning and maybe you feel like singing. Uh, maybe you come and you're like, I don't know if I have a reason to sing. Um, if you feel like singing, just sing it out. I love hearing the voices of the community. And if you're here some mornings and you feel like you can't sing, let the voices of others just carry you along. Um, I believe the reason we sing is just because deep in our soul, all of us have these hopes and dreams. Uh, There's losses, there's despair, there's tension that's present. Um, And we need to sing ourselves forward, right? From the deepest places, we're singing ourselves forward. So um, thank you for allowing me to sing myself forward with you. Uh, It's been a great week here in Lincoln, settling in, getting all over Lincoln, allowing Lincoln to get all over me. Um, spending so much time with all of you. Uh, I get to get out an airplane and go home and see my wife and kids tomorrow morning, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, excited to see them after 10 days, and hopefully, hopefully I'll be bringing them back with me next time. Um, please pray for the sale of our house in New Jersey. It's just stalled a little bit, but we believe that it will get there. Um, so, rhythms. Before we talk about rhythms, because not everybody here is maybe into the rhythm dancing thing, Um, Let's introduce ourselves to a German Jesuit mathematician astronomer by the name of Christopher Clavius. We should get to know him um, because reality TV stars get too much airtime these days. So uh, Christopher Clavius, 1582 German Jesuit mathematician astronomer. Um, Before we start with him, imagine being not him in 1582. You went to bed on the evening of October 4th, had a good eight hours night's sleep, and you woke up on the morning of October 15th, 10 days later. What just happened? It was an eight-hour night's sleep. I went to bed on October 4th, but I'm waking up on October 15th. What happened to these 24-hour days that I thought were so dependable? The sun rising, the sun setting. Christopher Clavius, mathematician, astronomer, had realized that in the Julian calendar of the day, there was a 0.002% kind of figuring that was wrong. 
And so as a result, the calendar was off by about 10 days. And so Christopher Clavius brought this before um, Pope Gregory. And so the Gregorian calendar was set at that time. But they had to reset, kind of just move 10 days ahead. And so people were realizing, boy, I thought it was October 4th, but actually it's October 15th. Um, So Christopher Clavius, some of us are living with a sense that perhaps this following Jesus thing, we've, we've, slightly, we've slightly gotten off the right path, that we're missing the mark somehow. And I, I imagine that's why a lot of us at Mosaic are here, right? There's this deep hunger within our soul to, to really follow Jesus, to look to him, to say there's something about Jesus the man that teaches us about what being human is all about, But there's also something about Jesus the Christ that regardless of what we're going through, whatever the worst thing is that we're facing now or will face, because Jesus is the Christ, whatever that worst thing is, it's never the last thing. It's never the last thing. We are people of hope. But I imagine a lot of us are here because we're like, yeah, I want to get back on that right path of what it really means to follow Jesus what it really means to, to live that life of adventure, that life of faith. Um, and so Christopher Clavius is someone for, yeah, I want to be like that. This morning I want us to explore a couple of ways that perhaps we're off when it comes to following Jesus. The first one, um, I'll call it this, ideas before practices. Ideas before practices. We all have ideas, right? Ideas about who's in who's out, who's right, who's wrong, who's enlightened, who's, who's living woke, and who are those who are just not awake yet, right? We've all got these ideas. And then even some with ideas of like, yeah, these people are saved, and these people are going to burn, right? Who's in? Who's out? We, we kind of live in these categories, right? It's all around us. I mean, even if you're not a person of faith, you, you still live with these ideas. Um, and so life is kind of this goal of how do we get the out, the wrong, and the waiting, those waiting to burn. How do we get them in our church so they can get in, get right, and get saved? Oof, ideas before practices. One of the ways that we're just off when it comes to following Jesus. Jesus spoke to people who are kind of living this, this rhythm, this way of life of putting ideas before practices. And uh, this is what he said to him at one point in time. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Ouch. Man, Jesus wasn't afraid to to lay it out there. He wasn't into the ideas before practices thing. And I think a lot of us here at Mosaic, we're at this place where we're like, 
there's certain practices I want to be a part of my life. There's certain rhythms that I want to be a part of my life because I know the answer is not in putting ideas before practices. That doesn't mean that ideas aren't important. Please, please don't misunderstand me. Ideas are important. Jesus talked about ideas. Jesus talked about truth. But yet at the same time, when we elevate that before practices, even in a 0.002% kind of way, over a lengthy period of time, we stop being the people that Jesus has called us to be. So that's one way we get it wrong. Let me share with us perhaps another way we get it wrong. Um, Kind of a, a big phrase that was kind of coined about 15 years ago. Moral therapeutic deism. All right, let me say that one more time. Moral therapeutic deism, all right? Go on a journey here with me, okay? Um, Because I know, I've heard this a lot, Nebraska, good people living the good life, right? And that's why I'm here. I love it. Like my family and I, we were drawn into the Nebraska good life, good people. Um, And so in a lot of ways, life becomes about just kind of being good. Of course, we all have different definitions of what being good looks like, you know, of how far we can still go maybe in a certain area before we get out of the category of being good. And so we're good at kind of setting the thermometer of what that good is. Good people living the good life. And so in a lot of ways, God can become this tool, following Jesus can become this tool to really just kind of have this certain level of goodness, this certain level of morality, Um, And then also, if we're not careful, like following Jesus can also be, um, well, let me just say it. Uh, It can be like a a little hit of marijuana. It just takes the edge off. That's the therapeutic part, right? Kind of we find ourselves going to church, getting in the right environment. It's like, man, it's been a rough week. But Jesus is with me. Jesus wants me, you know, he really wants my best life now. He's going to help make it happen. Um, And so we kind of come in and sing some songs and the anxiety goes away. You know, the pressure's off for another week. Uh, but is that, really, is that really why Jesus came to be with us? To came to be for us, now living in us, working through us, so that we could just kind of have a hit just to take the edge off? Um, and God is kind of out there, right? The man upstairs. So that's moral therapeutic deism. And in a lot of ways then, God following Jesus can become about kind of Helping me live my self-authenticated life, right? I mean, that's like the cry of youth today, right? Become self-authenticated, where you get to be your own person, follow your dreams, do your thing, which in some ways, yes, it's beautiful to kind of be authentically you. But it's not that Jesus is just here so that we can follow him so that somehow he can just help us be authentically who we think we can be. So in these ways, we can kind of get off the mark of following Jesus, living the adventure of faith, living the life that he's called us to live. And so this is where it's good for us to like really stop and say, man, people like Christopher Clavius, let me just kind of take inventory of what's going on around me, take inventory of what's going on in my life. Maybe where am I missing the mark? Where am I even maybe point zero zero two percent off? And as a result, like I need to reset. And so that's what these rhythms are all about. Um... You know, kind of those ways that, that we kind of get off in those directions. Um, there's no movement towards peace, towards peace in any of that, right? There's just, there's just division. There's individuality. There's no peace. There's no rec- kind of reconciliation 
happening in our world, in our neighborhoods, when we kind of just starting put, putting ideas before practices, having Jesus be kind of a, a, a thing to just kind of help me on my self-authentication process. Um, Eugene Peterson said this, to follow Jesus means picking up rhythms and ways of doing things that are often unsaid, but always derivative from Jesus. And so that's why kind of as we look at Jesus' life, as we become a community that looks deeper at the life of Jesus, we're going to pick up kind of these these rhythms and ways that he interacted with the world around him, and it's going to become part of us. And a lot of times these things are unsaid in the scriptures. But the more that we kind of peer into the way that he lived his life, we'll see things. And as we embrace these rhythms, we find ourselves, rather than kind of being off the mark, just kind of being a part of all of the dysfunction, the lack of peace, the lack of reconciliation that's happening around us, we actually get to be people who embody just a a way of life that brings peace, that brings wholeness. Doesn't mean there won't be any chaos. Doesn't mean there won't be any kind of, you know, quarrels around us, but we get to be a, a, a person of peace in the midst of that. And then we find ourselves kind of building bonds of peace with other people. How exciting does that sound in today's world, right? Is that not a healing ointment that's so needed in our world today? Let's do this. Let's, let's see if we can kind of explore this a little bit more. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Jesus is uh, beginning his ministry, and so he calls out to 12 disciples, and he's going to kind of spend time with them, and he's asking them to come follow him. And they're going to learn just by walking with him, watching him closely, kind of these often unsaid, unspoken ways of Jesus that are just kind of rhythms of his lifestyle. And so Jesus says this, uh, he called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. To proclaim the kingdom of God. Let's just pause there for a minute, all right? So In Jesus, there's this whole new kingdom that shows up present in the midst of the kingdoms of the present day, right? Kingdoms that aren't all that different from the kingdoms that we see around us, where the powerful continue to be in power, where those who are crushed by power continue to be crushed by power, where those who are broken and feel like they have no place to go, no way to move forward. Jesus shows up with his kingdom and he begins to proclaim a different kind of way. That no, those of you who are powerless, you're welcome. Come into this kingdom. You have a place here. Those of you who feel like you can't fit in, come. You're welcome to this banquet table. So there's this kingdom that's being proclaimed, and there's healing of the sick. Beautiful thing taking place. He told the 12, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Time out, Jesus. Time out. If you want us to really kind of capture people's attention, we got to have the fog machines, Jesus. I'm just saying, we got to have the fog machines. We got to have some lights. I mean, it's like there's a lot of noise around Jesus. We, I mean, if we're going to actually get people to listen, we got to bring some stuff with us, right? It's got to be impressive, it's got to be sharp, it's got to be showy. I know it's absurd, but we, we have to just sit with this stuff and be like, this, this is how Jesus launched this whole kingdom movement forward. If we're not willing to take this seriously, 
we're going to miss the mark. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Now, a chapter later, let's go here, Luke chapter 10, 1 through 9. Jesus is even going to unpack this a little bit more for us, all right? Now, the beautiful thing that we're seeing here is what started with 12 is moving to 72. So there's this multiplication movement that's happening, all right? So whatever the 12 started to do, kind of going to these villages, and they're staying there, and they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, they're healing the sick, now we have others who are joining in the flow, all right? This is what Jesus is about, all right? Creating space and room for others to join this movement, to join this movement, not to join the show, not to just come and witness, not to just come and, and kind of sit, but to join the movement. So now, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not, again, take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Notice the focus, the focus of the mission that they're being sent into. Verse 5. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Peace to this house. And Jesus kind of talks about this language where extend your peace. And if, and if you sense then that they have some level of peace being extended back to you, just kind of just stay there. Stay there. Okay, well, what do we do, Jesus? Just stay there. Right? You're, you're offering peace. You're offering peace to these people, and you feel a certain level of peace resting back on you. Last week I had shared about a friend of mine um, in New Jersey, who I met about five years ago, walked into his liquor store, and um, Manny was his name. Manny, he's the owner, and uh, we just started a conversation, and I, I just felt this connection with Manny. So I started to to frequent, and you know, sometimes because I'd be there buying some spirits, other times because I just wanted to stop in and see Manny, because I just I just felt like as I extended peace to him. I felt like he received my presence there, and there was this, this peace that was offered back to me. And I would ask him about his life, and he would ask me about my life. And then eventually, um, we just started to rest together. We would just, like, hang out in a store for a half hour. I, w- I would learn to slow down a little bit, you know, but I'm so important. I've got things to do, places to be all the time. And I'm no, slow down, Kurt. Learn to rest with this person of peace who... You feel yourself leaning into him, and he's leaning into you. And we would just kind of celebrate things that would happen in the midst of our week. Um, And then we would really listen to each other and, like, what's he wrestling with? What am I wrestling with? And in the midst of listening to each other, I would begin to kind of see, like, wow, 
God's at work in Manny's life. And even though Manny wasn't like a self-professing Christian, like I could tell God was at work in his life. We began to share tables together. I would have him over to my house with his family and wife. He would have my family and I over to his house. And it's just kind of natural development started to happen. Then at one point in time, I asked Manny, I said, I'm a little group of people that I'm with. We're going to bless someone. I kind of told the story a little bit last week. And, and, uh, and then I invited him like, hey, could you help us bless this family? We want, to, we want to bless this family, and we're going to celebrate kind of the wrestle that they're going through. And so I invited Manny. And then there was a couple times where Manny invited me to kind of help him bless some other people and celebrate some other people's stories. And in the midst of this week, um, one morning I was, I was sitting by myself this, uh, this week having coffee someplace. I was actually preparing this message. I kid you not. And my phone rings, and it's, it's Manny. He's like, hey. Um, just wanted to call and see how your week was going in Lincoln. Tell me about the people you're meeting. Tell me about the church. This is a guy who walked away from church a long time ago. This is a guy who still sees God as this angry, vindictive father sitting up in his rocking chair just waiting to strike. But kind of this, this, this thing is happening where Manny and I are experiencing like my peace being offered to him, his peace being offered to me. And there's this kind of, um, this rhythm that's taking place in our life. And God is doing something in the midst of that. Mosaic, we all know this. These are incredible healing rhythms and practices. Jesus talked about when you go to these towns, heal the sick. All right, heal the sick who are there. Now, I know a lot of us, we start thinking, well, all these amazing healings are taking place, right? All of these big things are happening. Sometimes healing the sick is just meeting someone who's just broken in spirit, and they're just sick on the inside. But kind of just being with people and engaging in these healthy rhythms, there's a healing that takes place. A lot of us here have experienced it, right? Because we've engaged in these rhythms with each other, and we've experienced a level of healing taking place where it's like, I'm being changed. I'm being transformed. These are healing practices, and these are communal practices. Notice Jesus sending them out two by two, right? These aren't just things that are just some individual pursuit to help us self-authenticate ourselves, but these are communal practices that we get to engage in together. Mosaic, this rhythm series is all about equipping you with a tool belt, right? I am not a handy guy. I hear there's a lot of people who are handy in this congregation. I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to need your help eventually. Um, And a lot of the reasons why I'm not a handy guy is because I'd much rather spend my money on food and vinyl than tools. It's just the way I am. Um, But I've realized, like, it's the guys who, you know, and ladies, guys and ladies who have the right tools. Like, when you've got the right tools, you know what to do. Like, you can step into a situation and, like, yeah, you're a person, of, you're a person who, like, rebuilds, transforms, makes, makes it happen. So this is about equipping us with the right tools, kind of these rhythms of life, that we would actually be people who learn to rest, that we would learn to slow down. I know, wearing busyness like a badge, I'm so important, right? I get it. It's the mantra of our world. But then we have no time to listen. We have no time to consider, who, who can I bless? We have no time to actually stop and just engage in a meal with people. So we're learning these rhythms, and these are tools in our tool belt so that as sent ones who go out from this place each and every Sunday morning, we're actually able to join in the mission of God and all that he's doing in the neighborhoods around us. That's the beautiful hope, Mosaic, that we could become people who are really equipping ourselves with these tools of these rhythms 
that as we step out and make this happen, that God's doing something in the midst of that. So a couple of things, two movements as we wrap up. Two movements that will allow us to remain on the path of Jesus and follow his lead, all right? Um, First one is this. Lean into persons of peace. That's probably a phrase that you'll hear me talk a lot about as I step into Mosaic. Lean into persons of peace because God is at work in the lives of people all around you every day. They may not be aware of it yet, but he is. And so there's going to be people that you meet along the way. Maybe they're in a store. Maybe they're in a place that you frequent. Maybe they're in the gym. Maybe they're in your workplace. Maybe they live right next door to you. Maybe they classify themselves a religious person. Maybe they don't. All of that doesn't matter. All that matters is God is at work in their life, and you're going to lean into persons of peace, and you're going to begin to pay attention in some, I know, crazy, mystical, spiritual kind of way where it's like, I'm extending peace to this person. I'm getting to know their name. I'm wanting to, in just subtle ways, let them know that there's something about them. There's something about them that I see in them, that I value in them. I'm drawn to them in some kind of way. And it's not everybody, all right? I'm not saying go out and find 300 people of peace this week, all right? The eager achievers in the room, slow down a little bit, all right? Let's start small. Let's start slow. Some of you already have these people, and you're like, wow, okay, this is helpful. This is like, this is good language for me. I'm I'm actually developing and maybe understanding a little bit more of how I join in the movement of God. Who are those people of peace that you're leaning into? Because as you lean into them, you're extending peace to them, and you feel their peace resting back on you. And of course, there's always going to be people that you might feel that you're going to extend peace and it's going to be obvious they don't even care to get to know your name. No big deal. Love them. Love them, bless them, but just don't feel the need to spend a lot of time there. It's okay, you know? But for those that you're leaning into and you feel their peace kind of resting back on you, hmm, maybe God's at work there. Maybe there's a way that I can step into these rhythms And maybe even invite these people into these rhythms along with me without them knowing it. We just kind of naturally, organically, this kind of happens and takes place. And all of a sudden, movement begins to happen. God begins to do things that it's like, wow, this is exciting. Lean into persons of peace. This would be my hope, Mosaic, that before any of us think about how do we fill our church on a Sunday morning? How do we get people in here? Let, let's just rip that scorecard up. Okay, let's, let's rest from that and just set ourselves free from that. Instead, free yourself up to celebrate a scorecard that asks the question, who are the people of peace that I'm leaning into and I feel their peace leaning back into me? And just sit with that for a while. Allow that to be your scorecard. Let's allow that to be our scorecard. Second movement. Embrace the ferment. Embrace the ferment. Now, I'm a little disappointed. Um, I thought there would be a lot more beer drinkers here at Mosaic. There's not. Um, Kidding. Uh... You know, so you make a batch. You know, I know we got some great home brewers here in Mosaic, I understand, by the way. I want to invite one of them up here on the platform with me. Matt White, come on up here, Matt. Let's give Matt a hand, everybody. Yes. Um, 
Matt has probably blessed many of us with some of his home brews. So obviously Matt, you know, he makes some great batches. Um, but, you know, it's not like you just make the batch and then, hey, let's, you know, drink and be merry. Um, no, that fermentation has to happen, right? Um, so, Matt, I, you know, for those of us who may not know, tell us a little bit about, you know, like what's happening in the fermentation process. Just give us, you know, a little, little overview here. All right. So you start off with your, your recipe, the brewer or whoever makes their beer or wine or whatever it is you're making. And... You need some key things in order for that fermentation to take off and to have a good, clean fermentation to make a good drinking beer. Uh, First is you want a good recipe that tastes good. Uh, Second, you need a lot of nutrients in that beer or wine or whatever it is you're drinking in order for the yeast to be able to have a healthy fermentation. Uh, And you also need a good amount of oxygen source to be able to allow that yeast to be able to reproduce and to keep growing uh, as the fermentation process takes off. Uh, But once you pitch that yeast and put that yeast into your beer or your wine or whatever it is, uh, you have to have the the right environment. You don't want just a jug sitting on the ground in your kitchen that's just kind of bubbling away over there. Uh, You want to have the light to be controlled. You want to have the temperature controlled. You want to not allow more oxygen in as that yeast is growing and producing the alcohol and CO2 uh, that it does in its... um, off gassing so yeah so so matt obviously you know yeah you you want that alcohol content to develop you want to um, you don't want to drink a flat beer right that's miserable so um this fermentation process it takes like what about two or three minutes right no uh (laughs) ferment fermentation can take anywhere from from 10 days and it can take anywhere for years to really develop so let's give matt white a hand everybody Embrace the ferment. It can take up to 10 days or sometimes years. But oh, the beautiful, beautiful result that comes forward for all kinds of people to enjoy and celebrate. Embrace the ferment. In some way this week, there is a message coming to each of us in all kinds of ways, and it pretty much says this, hurry up and matter. Hurry up and matter. Do something with your life. Make a difference. Make an impact. And even Christians are really good at it. Make a kingdom impact. And Jesus is saying, just stay there for a while. Embrace the ferment. But Jesus, I have to make a kingdom impact. Did Pastor Kurt tell you that? No, he didn't. Okay, good. Um, if, you ever, if you ever hear me shouting that at you, please pull me aside. Embrace the ferment. We've got to learn to slow down, people. We've got to learn to slow down. Now, I'm not saying there's not time for kingdom impact. That happens real quick sometimes, okay? So I, we're having fun. We're having fun. Embrace the ferment. What follows? What follows? Um, what follows is simply this, peace, the shalom of God, a well-being in your life, in the lives of the persons of peace that you're meeting in all of the various spaces that you live and move and breathe. Peace begins to develop. You're enough. You're enough in that environment. Your person of peace is enough. We don't have to hurry up and matter. Peace begins to develop. What else? An incredible purpose. An incredible purpose begins to develop in our lives. 
where, yeah, we're still doing all the things we need to do, you know, waking up, brushing our teeth, going to our jobs, going to school, doing all that other stuff. But yet there's this purpose that develops in all of it that just shapes us at, a, at, at the deepest of levels. Um, and then last but not least, there's an incredible pilgrimage. There's an incredible pilgrimage of just being on this movement kind of path where God is working and along the way, then, we're, we're cross-pollinating persons of peace. I'm looking at Garrett right now. I want to know who Garrett's persons of peace are. And then I want my persons of peace to meet Garrett's, Garrett's persons of peace. And I want my persons of peace to meet Garrett. And then we cross-pollinate. And all of a sudden, like, this banquet table that God is, is, is like, setting forth for us in the midst of his kingdom, there's all kinds of people gathering around it. And they're finding life, and they're finding blessing, and they're finding wholeness. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Mosaic rhythms, tools for your tool belts, helping us slow down, helping us just get into it. We're going to be talking about these things a lot in our days ahead of us, months to come, years to come. We're going to be leaning into persons of peace. We're going to embrace the ferment. We're going to change the scorecard. And we're going to see what God's going to do with all that. And it is going to be beautiful. And if there's anything that our world needs right now, it is more beauty. Practices, healing practices. In the midst of those healing practices, we'll start talking about ideas. We'll start talking about God's truth and the truth of Christ. That'll happen. But practices, healing practices is what our world needs right now. And perhaps the healing practice that all of us need right now is this practice of just coming to this table where Jesus is willing to embrace the ferment in our lives. And as we come and we take these ordinary elements of bread and juice and we chew them and we digest them, just like the process of fermentation where you first look at it and it appears that nothing's happening, but if you look long enough, it's just, you know, the right molecules and the right ingredients start to mix together and then comes the first bubble and then the next one and you see this whole process taking place. And as we come to these tables each and every Sunday, these ordinary elements kind of as we digest them and Christ is somehow mysteriously present in them, um, transformation starts to happen in our lives. The despair, the loss of hope begins to re- be replaced with, with the life of Jesus. Where there's guilt and shame, forgiveness is made clear to us. Um, where there's the attitude of, I don't know if I can keep going forward into this next week. Jesus meets us and says, keep taking one step further, one step at a time. So Landon, come on up here. I'm going to pray for us. And um, if you're here and you are desiring to follow Jesus, know that Jesus welcomes you to these tables, either here in the front. There's also one in the back. Um, Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he took that bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took that cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is for you, for the forgiveness of sin. We invite you to come forward, go to the table in the back, take the bread, dip it into the cup, receive it, head back to your seat. Um, Let's sing together as we continue to communally just sing ourselves forward. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this place. This place, Mosaic, this family, this tribe, this beautiful people of grace, 
Um, God, this existed long before Mosaic ever showed up, and certainly Mosaic existed long before I ever showed up. And I, we're just excited to be a part of all that you're doing. So, God, we, um, we're going to lean into people of peace. We're going to embrace the ferment. But right now, we're just going to allow ourselves to be healed by your kingdom that's present amongst us. So we come as needy people. We come as needy people, broken people, but yet people filled with hope. Some of us with a lot of hope. Some of us barely any hope at all, and we're just holding on. But God, you welcome each and every one of us just as we are. And we thank you. Amen.